Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 27 Turkey Hunting Safety Tips with Josh Carney, Son of the South. So we are actually two full weeks into turkey season. And most of you know that I've killed a bird. I've also called one in for a friend of mine's son, Ethan. And unless you follow me on Twitter, you don't know that I missed a turkey Sunday. I had a great hunt Sunday morning. I actually had two birds working from the same location. And I was expecting the bird on the left to come in first but the bird on the right came in first and he came in so quickly almost at a run and he completely caught me out of position and off guard and he came in very quick stopped at about 12 steps from me looked at me putted about two or three times and started running away when he did I swung the gun on him and I shot I did not kill the turkey but I did manage to shoot completely in half a sapling So, at least I've got some copy paper for the office now. Alright, I don't want to talk about the turkey hunt anymore. I'm not real happy about it, but it does happen. For you guys and girls who are new to turkey hunting, you will miss a turkey at some point in time. If you're going to continue to turkey hunt, you'll miss a turkey. And it's just going to happen. Don't let it get you down for too long. It'll get you down a little bit, but don't let it get you down too long. And get back out there and get after them. Alright, we've got a lot of content to cover in tonight's show. So before we get into that, I want to read a couple of reviews real quick that were left on iTunes. The first one is from ASouth01. ASouth says, Enjoyed listening to Andy's tips and stories leading into the spring season. Open source dialogue for the turkey hunting enthusiast or a great intro for the novice hunter. Look forward to more. ASouth, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate your kind review that you left. And I also have another review that I want to read to you. You know what? I'm not going to read it. Instead, I know the person who left the review, and I'm going to call her right now. You guys missed it. I actually I called <laughs> Carrie and was pretending to be Steve from <laughs> Bank and was going to record that, and she hung up on me before I even got the opportunity to press the record button. <laughs> you were very convincing, honestly. 
<laughs> oh goodness, that is too funny. Well, that is funny. you know, I I like to mess with people even when it's not April Fool's Day. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I forgot today was even April Fool's. Yeah, and I do that kind of crap to my mom all the time, and we've had some of the most hilarious conversations. Well, at least I have. It's been <laughs> very embarrassing for her. But one time, uh, she called my number. She called me on my cell phone. And I answered the phone in some made-up voice. And she says, well, I'm sorry, I, I must have the wrong number. So she she hangs up, and she calls back. And I did it again. And she said, sir, I don't know what's going on. I, I've got your number, this number stored in my contacts as the phone number for my son. And I, in my made-up voice, told her, I was like, well, I'm sorry that you're having a problem, you know, and, and it's really not an inconvenience. Have a good day. So she hangs up again, and she calls back a third time. And I do the voice again, and she says, what number am I calling? I said, well, what number are you trying to call? And she reads off my cell number. And about that time, it clicked. And she said, you little... I cannot believe. <laughs> I cannot believe you did that. Three times you got me. I was like, well, you're just easy. <laughs> That's hilarious. My mom would probably fall for that kind of a thing. You could be very confused. And then she'd be like, you brat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so listen, I was going through reviews on iTunes, and I just happened to see a review that Carrie Z put on for the Turkey Hunter podcast, and it was a very nice review. And so I was reading that for the intro for my show for this week, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to one-up just reading this review. I'm going to call and get Carrie on the line and let her say nice things about me to my face. I would be happy to. I love your podcast. <laughs> you know that. And, you know, I'm a a big fan of turkey hunting here in Wisconsin, and your show has actually provided legitimately like tips that I've used out in the field. So I appreciate the hard work that you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words, and I enjoy doing it just like you enjoy doing your show. But you've got a couple of exciting things going on, don't you, with your show? Oh, man, just a couple. Well, well first off. Tell, tell us about your show that you recorded last night that's released today. First of all, tell yeah. us about the show. Okay. How about that? Well, anybody who's listened to the podcast probably come across my show, and it started out yeah. as the Wild World of Carrie Z, and then I rebranded it to just Carrie Z's Hunting and Outdoor Podcast. And recently, I decided to make yet another change. Because, you know, that's what I do. I just rebrand myself occasionally to Hunt Fish Travel. And basically, I like it. Basically, I kind of came to the realization that I spent so much time looking at the travel aspect and the logistics of planning a hunting trip or a fishing trip that I thought instead of doing yet another how-to episode, I would do a where to go, where to stay, where to eat kind of an episode. And then I was like, well, instead of an episode, let's just do a whole podcast. So it's basically just the travel side of things. Let's face it, you can learn how to hunt a big buck or turkey, Mm -hmm. but if you don't know where to go, (laughs) all that knowledge is kind of wasted. Very so, true. And last night we recorded the 100th episode, which was seemed like a fitting time to relaunch and rebrand and let everybody know about the new format. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And that show is live today, is that correct? It is. So on so, iTunes, you can actually, you can still, I, I left it in because the easiest way to find my other show is just to search on iTunes for Carrie Z, C-A-R-R-I-E-Z, no face, and it came right up. So I left that, my name, in there. So it's Hunt Fish Travel with Carrie Z. 
So. Cool. Cool. Now, cool. is that the only place that the show can be found? Is it being? Um, yeah. As a matter of fact. We just launched the Outdoor Podcast channel, which will Hooray. feature, yeah, including the Turkey Hunter. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> because, you know, anybody who listens to me knows I'm kind of a sob, and I only hang out with cool people. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and I'm, I'm not sure how she ended up hanging out with me because I don't make cool list, but I think that I know some of the people who some of the other hosts of the other podcast. And those people are on the cool list, and maybe that's how I made the cool list, is just coolness by association. You can trust me when I say you are definitely on the cool kids list. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And that's coming from a great source, so I I will hold that highly. And remember, the call is being recorded, so now everyone's hearing you say that about me. I know. So, you you know, if you hear it it on the internet, it's true, right? (laughs) That is so true. True. Well, who are some of the other cool kids on this outdoor podcast channel? Yeah, so we have eight shows right now. We have, let me see if I can remember them all off the top of my head. Blanchard Outdoors, yeah. Bow Hunting Freedom, Big Buck Registry, Take Aim, Hunt Fish Travel. We have the Turkey Hunting Podcast, the Up North Journal Podcast, and Fish well, Nerds Podcast. So you can subscribe to just one single RSS feed, and every day a new show will publish a new episode where you're listening to pleasure. So absolutely. you'll never have to go out and seek out the best outdoor podcast anymore. All you have to do is just subscribe to the Outdoor Podcast channel's RSS feed, and you will automatically get I think that is the, speaking of cool, we're on this coolness run. I think that is the coolest thing in the world. And it's a great idea that Carrie and Jay and, was it Mike? Yep. And technically, um, Phil Havens was there. It was at ATA. A bunch of us got together just for dinner and started kind of swapping ideas and it bonded outdoor podcast channel. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing what happens when you get a couple of podcasters together to brainstorm. A couple of podcasters, some um, dinner and some alcohol, maybe? <laughs> there was that, of course. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Well, I am flattered to be a part of it, and I'm excited to be a part of it as well, because I think that the whole concept behind the Outdoor Podcast Channel will completely take over for the outdoor sector of iTunes and podcasting in general, and just providing that quote-unquote one-stop shop of listening for what we all like to do. And most of us outdoors people, we don't, most of us hunters don't just hunt. Right. We hunt, we fish, we camp. Most of us don't just deer hunt. We deer hunt, we turkey hunt, we hunt upland birds, we hunt rabbits, squirrels. And really, so the Outdoor Podcast Channel is providing one place where we can go and get information from some of the biggest and best shows on iTunes and Stitcher Radio yep. and have all of that in one spot. And I think it's just extremely awesome. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, I messed up. It's extremely cool. <laughs> right. Well, I couldn't agree more. So everybody listening, go to OutdoorPodcastChannel.com. You can check out all the information there. And yeah. that's it. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, Carrie, thanks for coming on. And anytime you want to talk turkey, you know how to find me. I definitely do. <laughs> the, the problem is you may not have enough hours in the day to talk turkey with me because I can ramble on about it. Well, you'll fit right in with Rachel and I because we tend to go off on these like down the rabbit hole conversations <laughs> quite often. <laughs> and anybody listening to the 100th episode will surely find out. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. If for you guys who haven't heard one of Carrie's shows, I'm, 
highly encourage you to subscribe not only to Carrie's channel, Huntfish Travel, but also to the Outdoor Podcast channel and soak up some of that content and great information that they share on their show and you'll not regret it at all. Carrie's show is very entertaining <laughs> and very informative as well. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. So jump on out there on iTunes and when you're done listening to the show, leave her a review and a five-star rating as well, because those kind of things really help us podcasters out. For sure. So don't forget to do that. And Carrie, thanks a bunch. And you know what? Bank. We really appreciate your business. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'm hanging up. <laughs> thanks, Andy. Thanks, Carrie. Okay. Have a great day. Bye. Goodbye. Okay. So thanks, Carrie Z, for being on the show. I appreciate you taking my call, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on the Outdoor Podcast channel. That is big news for us here at the Turkey Hunter Podcast. So you've got another way of getting the Turkey Hunter podcast and not only getting the Turkey Hunter podcast, but getting seven other quality shows about hunting and fishing. So be sure to subscribe to the Outdoor Podcast channel. And while you're listening, go on to iTunes and leave the Outdoor Podcast channel a five-star rating and a stellar review if you don't mind. That'll help us out a lot. Okay. We're going to get into this week's show where Josh Carney, son of the South, is going to share some tips with us about being safe in the turkey woods. Also, remember, I have ditched the fun with editing segment of the show upon the recommendation of you guys, my listeners, and your input is greatly appreciated. So what I've done is I've replaced the fun with editing segment with a new segment that I'm calling Ask the Turkey Hunter. So if you'd like to ask the turkey hunter a question, please do so by emailing me at askandy at iamturkeyhunting.com. Askandy at iamturkeyhunting.com. This week's question will be answered at the end of the show, and the question was asked by Richard Ross Richard, I appreciate you taking the time to send an email to me to ask me the question, and I look forward to answering that in just a little bit. Let's jump into the show. I'm going to let you guys enjoy Josh Carney, and I will see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome back to the Turkey Hunter Podcast. I am really fired up this week. I've got a guy on the line with us that is going to go over some turkey hunting safety tips with us, and really, you know, I kind of kind of think of these as just reminders. We're in the woods all the time, several months out of the year. We have guns in our hands. We get comfortable. We get a little apathetic. We get a little bit lazy. And, you know, maybe we don't do things like we know we should, like unloading guns when you cross a fence and things like that, that we all need reminders of. So probably not going to rock your world with any new exciting information today, but I am going to rock your world with who the guest is. And I'm going to go ahead and, go ahead and introduce him. Today I have on the line with me Josh Carney, son of the South, with Son of the South TV. Josh, how are you today and where are you? I'm doing good today, Andy. It's a pleasure to be on the show today. I am, uh, I'm right, right now, I'm here in East Texas, Big Sandy, Texas. We're uh, chasing out some predators, trying to keep the turkey population up and keep these egg suckers out of the way. Hopefully we have a, a real good turkey season coming up this spring, so that's what we're doing right now. 
Good deal. And so this morning was your first morning to hunt, am I correct, in Texas? Yes, sir. It was my first morning. Yeah. Uh, it was real. It was, the weather's been bad down here and outside for the last couple of days or last week or so. So it was a real foggy morning, and we didn't we didn't call anything but a bunch of cows to the call this morning. So that was a pretty fun experience, seeing those cows at 10 yards away from us and trying not to get them big. Yeah. And now you're not eating steak for dinner tonight, are you? I don't think I would be too happy if I would have shot one of the cows. <laughs> it was I have a feeling you're right. <laughs> it was very tempting. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, just the thought of having some fresh beef, I'm sure, was tempting, without a doubt. Well, tell us how you first got into turkey hunting. And I've got a little story that I want to share, but I'm I'm going to let you speak first before I jump in and, and say anything. So tell us how you first got into turkey hunting. I've always grew up in the outdoors and a small game hunter, and I uh, I taught myself how to deer hunt because my family was always small game hunting, and I, uh, I actually taught myself how to deer hunt and turkey hunt and things like that. And I always seen turkey hunting on TV, and I thought it would be really cool and really uh, awesome experience that. And I went on my first turkey hunt ever, which is one that I'd never forget. It was my first turkey hunt ever, and my dad went, and my dad actually shot me turkey hunting, and I spent three months in the hospital and. I had multiple surgeries and sound my throat and all kind of things like that. So that was my first turkey hunt. But after that, I got back in the saddle and I've been on a turkey killing spree since then. A little bit of respect and revenge sort of thing. I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that all of us, to an extent, even those that that had no experience like you had on your first turkey hunt, it is one of those respect and revenge type of things. But I first discovered who Josh Carney was on social media after the ATA show. And I can't remember if it was Southern Boys Outdoors or it could have been Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. Jay and Dusty posted a video of you doing your thing, your special talent, your gift. And so that's how I first found you. And then I started, I'm going to admit it, I stalked you a little bit online because oh, well, you, ha- you intrigued I to, me i have to say you're not the first person that has ever told me that they called me <laughs> <laughs> well you know we throw ourselves out there online and we make it easy for people to stalk us online because yeah. we do want them to know our story and we do want them sure. to find us and be able to follow us and that kind of thing so and you know i'm joking around when i say that so yeah that's how i first found josh carney and then because i do follow your Facebook fan page, I knew that you were going to be at the NWTF convention, and I'll be dang if the first day that I was there, I didn't bump into you. And I cornered Josh, for those of you that don't know the story, cornered him. He couldn't get away and got him to do a real quick audio interview, got him to do a real quick video of him showing us what his talent is. And then I really twisted his arm and got him to commit to doing a one-hour interview on the show. So before we go any farther, just show us what I think your special talent is. And you're going to say you're talented at everything, and I know you are, but you know what I'm talking about. So give us a little sample of what it is that I want to hear, especially with the season being about 10 days away in Alabama. Okay, here we go. We got um, some turkey yelps and then purrs and gobbles. All right. Josh, it's awesome. For those of you who don't know who Josh is and haven't seen videos of him, 
tell everybody what kind of a call you're using when you do that. I, I know the manufacturer of that call would love to make a mint by having you promote it. So go ahead and promote it now. That's all natural voice. It's God-given talent for sure. And uh, that's only one of many calls that I could do with natural voice. Yeah. If you want to see what all Josh can do, how many calls can you do? I'm not going to ask you to do any more as I know the springtime weather, the change of the seasons is all a little rough on you. And I want you to have a good turkey calling voice when season does roll around. So I don't want you to wear it out right now. But how many calls do you do with your natural voice? I am up to about 60 different calls, but I have, uh, I definitely have my favorite calls that I like to, I like to run into and can keep it to a routine. But I'm up to about 60 different calls and I'm still learning more every day. It's like a up here predator hunting. There's a new call, uh, a bobcat call that I just learned last night. So uh, I'm getting really intrigued and learning on how to perfect that one a little bit. And uh, hopefully it plays out for uh, some more predator hunting and keep these turkeys safe for the season. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you're learning to bobcat. I know I've gotten you to do turkey, goose, and elk. Mm-hmm. Name off just a, a handful of other calls that you do. That's predators, coyotes, dying rabbit in stress, coon distress, pup distress. I can do a variety of different different distress calls. Mallard duck, bee calls, hail calls, wood ducks, snow geese, speckle belly, blue geese. It's just a variety of different calls that, that come to mind. But, I mean, if I could hear it, and I could most likely give me a little time and I can mimic it. Yeah, that's amazing. That is a wide range and variety of different calls and animals that you can imitate, and you don't don't just halfway do them. You don't sound like me doing them. You sound like the animal doing them. So you're truly impressive, and what's more impressive is your attitude and your personality, and that's another reason why I wanted to get you on the show. So you've got a great story As far as something that we can learn from, we the listeners can learn from, you know, I want you to share that with us, and you're not shy about it. It's a hand you've been dealt, and I'll be dang if you hadn't turned it into a handful of aces. (laughs) So you mentioned the story of your first turkey hunt with your dad (laughs) and that he accidentally shot you, but tell us a little bit more about that and exactly the, the details of the story and just so we can learn a little bit from it. Well, um, like I said, I, I always wanted to turkey hunt because I've seen the guys do it on TV and it looked it so far and I want to extend my range of being outdoors and being in mother in, in nature and doing things that I love doing. And I thought turkey hunting would extend my season because after deer season, there's nothing going on until the next season. So I want to get out there and turkey hunt. And I've seen so many great guys that are on TV, like people that I looked up to and I idolized and they turkey hunt. And I was like, man, I want to really get into that. So me and my dad, we went down and bought some calls. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. The first turkey hunt, neither one of us knew what we were doing. And uh, we bought some calls and some shells and things like that. One Sunday morning, we went to church, uh, April 17, 2005. Uh, we went to church that morning, and uh, I was begging my dad, hey, let's go turkey hunt. I don't want to go today. Today, let's go. He's like, fine. So I'm in the parking lot. I had my camouflage in the truck. I'm stripping out of my church suit in the parking lot of the church ground. And I'm like, you're ready to get in camouflage. I'm ready to get to the woods. And we drive to a place that I grew up small game hunting with my dad my uncles and things like that. We get to the spot and we're walking down this gravel road and I see a turkey feather 
checks us in the road, and I said, well, this is the spot. So we had to cross a little ditch and get into the woods, and we tucked down, and there's a broad patch on the, the right side of us, and I told my dad, like, look, you set up here, and I'm going to set up about 30 yards away from you, and we're going to call, and we're going to try to get a bird in. Well, it was midday, so, I mean, as a lot of turkey hunters know, birds don't really gobble midday. So what the bird did, he came in on silent gobble behind the tree that I was sitting on, and I could look over to my left, and I could see my dad getting ready or in the ready position, and as I looked, I could see him pull the trigger, and the gun goes off. And my body just goes numb, and I can't feel anything. I can't move my legs. I can't move my arms. I can't do anything. There's a ringing, very ringing noise in my ear, and I can't do anything. And I don't know what happened. All I know is I heard a gunshot, and I can't move. So I, I, I put it together like, man, like, and my dad rushes over, and I was like, hey, you shot me. And um, he, he picks me up, and he, uh, he carries me out the woods while he's on the phone with 911. I can hear him talking to me, and was getting there. And at this point, I knew that it was that was it for me. I mean, there's, I just realized that I'd been shot with a double odd buck shot. So like I said, it's the first turkey, and we didn't know anything we were doing, and we figured a turkey is just a, a bigger bird to use a bigger load. So yeah. he's carrying me out to the and I'm thinking, man, this is, I'm in his office thinking this is over. I'm like, all right, this is it. Look, God. I'm in your hand, just protect my dad. That's all I want you to do. And after that, I, I got into the ambulance. I blacked out. And the next thing that I noticed is I wake up in a hospital surrounded by fight lights and nurses and things like that, which is the funny story is because it's, uh, it's been almost 10 years now. And I got home from a show two days ago, and I get a message from the nurse who actually saved my life. I mean, it's been 10 years, so it's crazy how things work. You've seen the, uh, me grow through at the industry and con- continue hunting and things like that. So it was really uh, really rewarding that she kept up with me or found me after 10 years. And like the story, so they saved my life. They did multiple surgeries, and I coded twice, which coded me, wow. so I died twice. And they brought me back, and they still did multiple surgeries. And from the first hospital, they flew me out to uh, New in New, New Orleans, well, on the way to fly me out, they dropped me on a helicopter, and I have this big gash in the back of my head, and I had to, they had to shave, it was, my head kept bleeding, and they didn't know what it was from, so they had to shave my head, and it just, just threw back in the spot that where they had dropped me. So with that, um, I just I to have battle scars all over from the accident. But I mean, it's, it's one of the things I remember where I come from for sure, and remember what got me to the point that I am. So I went to the next hospital, and they still did a couple more surgeries on me just to keep me sustained, keep my, my levels up. Fun that I had. I hit with seven out of nine double up buckshot wow. on my my left shoulder, across my chest, right shoulder, both of my lungs, my stomach, a bullet in my esophagus. Still have one lodged in my pelvis and my right shoulder, and I don't want to hit my spine. The one that hit my esophagus uh, led me to have a tube down my throat, and the tube was for me to breathe. And the doctor came in and said, "Well, since you had a tube in your throat for so long, you're gonna be able to talk again. You need a trach." And once he told me that, I just got angry, and I was like, no, you're wrong. I pulled the tube out, I was like, you're wrong, and I started talking. And when I did that, the way I pulled the tube out, it, it altered my voice and my vocal cords. Because like I said, at the, at the time, I was only 13 years old, so my voice never, I didn't get that, I didn't even hit that PB mark yet. I didn't get that deep into my voice yet. So when I did that, it, just, it altered my voice, which leads me to the really raspy pitch when I talk and communicate and things like that, which allows me to do all kind of variations of sounds. So when I did that, when I pulled the tube out, it just, it changed my life completely. I mean, now that I realize it, it's changed, it's changed my life completely. I spent a couple more, um, couple of weeks in the hospital, then I went to rehab to learn how to adapt to my new life from walking to being in a wheelchair, being mm-hmm. a paraplegic. And from there, it just, it grew. And 
I, I spent, I got out of the hospital and I spent two weeks at home, and it was just sickening knowing that the things that I did do before I couldn't do or people told me I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. So that I had a small game on it for the longest time, and I had a pack of beagles back in the house, and it was just sitting in the pen, and it just made me very mad that I was letting them I felt that I was letting them down. So I told my dad, I was like, look, pack of the dogs were going hunting, and my mom was totally against it. And my dad, he wasn't up for it either, but I was like, look, this is what I love doing. This is this is who I am. This is where I feel at home. So two weeks after I got out of the hospital, I went right back hunting, and I haven't turned around since. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you got home from the hospital, you were still you're paralyzed in your arms and your legs, but you no, just, uh, got, I was paralyzed from uh, waist down. Okay, paralyzed well, from the waist down. Okay, I was I was lucky enough to get paralyzed incomplete. So I still see I just don't have enough movement in my legs. I have very little movement. I can I have a little feeling, but I can't walk. I don't have enough strength to walk. So I, yeah. I guess my my cord is cut just enough to send feelings like my pain signals to my brain but just not enough to relay it back to a wall yeah okay and so you obviously have always been a very determined individual and i'm going to guess you've always had a very positive outlook on life and everything that it brings you but i mean to not let that fear and not let the circumstance and the situation really get to you and in fact let it do the complete opposite i think makes you very unique in that there's from what i understand there's the depression and everything else that goes along with having an accident like that and having your life altered just at the blink of an eye but you didn't from what you're saying and telling in your story you didn't let that really be the case that you you seem as good of a guy as you are you seem to be pretty stubborn yeah a little bit (laughs) Well, but you know, that's a good I, thing, though. That's stubborn in a good way, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as the hunting wise, as far as hunting things go, I, I didn't let that stop me. I didn't let that get me depressed or get me anything like that. Because that's where that was my my safe zone. It was where I felt as protected as in my little bubble. But as far as everyday life goes, that was that was different for me because there's so many people that were, you know, they want to bathe, they didn't know how to treat you and things like that. It's just being it's weird being treated different when you're used to being, you know, quote unquote normal or average. So it was. It was kind of depressing that I had to go through people treating me different and treating me like I wasn't a regular guy. So, I mean, that that part of it was depressing on my end because I had to realize that people were going to treat me different. And I, I don't want to be treated different. I'm just a, a regular person. I just have, like, shiny wheels. I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing yeah. that, that was different about me. But uh, that part of it was depressing. And, I mean, I, my, my life was it was definitely changed through the accident as far as um, being normal and around civilization. But but as far as getting that upbeat side to me, that really came about when I went on a hunt for disabled kids and things like that. And um, I wasn't hunting. I was just volunteering. And there were kids that were had, that had cancer and, like, life-threatening illnesses. They, were, they knew that they were going to pass sometime soon. And they were there with their parents. But the thing that, that got to me was these kids knew that they were on their last leg. And they were still smiling and as happy as could be. And I'm thinking, wow, I feel really foolish complaining about myself when these kids have it worse than me and they have the best outlook on life ever. So right. when I when I really figured out what what their purpose was or what their purpose was to me, I mean, it, it changed my demeanor. It changed who I was as a person. Because at first, I was like, okay, well, 
I'm here and I'm just I'm just cruising through life. That's it. That's it. I'm happy hunting and that that's who I am. Like people, I, I'm not I'm not here to please people. Me, I just want to be happy with myself and I don't care who people people think of me or anything like that. But you know, seeing these kids and they're living their life like it, even though it's their last days, they're living their life to the fullest. I mean, that changed me. That that truly changed me inside because I was complaining about little things. And I was like, man, these kids have it worse than I do. And I'm complaining about something. Like, they would give up. I mean, I'm pretty sure they'd be happy in my situation. So why can't I be happy in my situation? So from there, I, the way I look at it now, I mean, I'm in a wheelchair, but heck, my life's great. I can't complain about a single thing. Right. That's amazing. I, I think you're you're definitely a breath of fresh air. You know, we I think the majority of people tend to get down and kind of wallow in the things that are wrong in our lives and it's just what you said it, it took you volunteering and going out and being on a on a hunt where where there are a lot of people who were there that had things a lot worse than you you know and it takes that for all of us as a reminder from time to time that no matter how bad we think we may have it somebody has it worse yes sir and so you know i, I think that's i think that's awesome well you know i wanted to get you on the show i feel like you're a great person to talk about the subject that we want to talk about today, and that is safety in the turkey woods. And let's jump into the topic and love to get some tips and information from you. I kind of categorize being safe in the woods, in the spring woods, really into three different categories or sectors. Mm -hmm. The first one is just what we experience, the dangers of the outdoors. The second one is really kind of the dangers of firearms things that, again, we use them so much, they become kind of an extension of our arms and, and a, an extension of our person. And I think a lot of times we take that for granted. And then thirdly, just the dangers of hunting. And that can be whether you're hunting with a firearm or archery, which you do a great deal. Yes, sir. So I'm going to get you to talk a little bit about just first the dangers of the outdoors and the woods. And can you describe some of those dangers and things that maybe some things that we can do to minimize the risk of getting hurt while we are in the woods? You know, as far as being in the outdoors, there's, there's always danger factors. You're playing against Mother Nature, and she's not nice at times. The things, the elements that we, that we face as far as people, I mean, we think that we could take on the world, which we really can't. I mean, we, uh, like you said earlier, we get a little lazy at times. We don't want to realize that it's more important to take that extra step than it is to just go by doing things the way that we want to do it. Because so, we rely on so many things that are man-made, and we don't expect them to fail. But in all reality, a lot of it does fail. I mean, at some point in time, it will fail. And uh, when it does fail, I mean, is that, that time of it failing going to cost you your life? I mean, for us, we need to take as many precautions as we can just to be, be safe in the woods and be safe in outdoors and knowing that we have a family to come home to, we want to come home to them. I mean, definitely taking that extra step to be safe in outdoors is key to everything. I mean, everyday life, I mean, not only in the outdoors, but I mean, if you're working or driving and things like that, you just want to take that extra step of safety just to make it home safe and live another day because every day that we're given is a blessing. Very true. No, and the the thing is, and it's something I, I mentioned a good bit in my blogs and also mentioned on the show is when certain things happen and we do certain things, we, like I said, we don't get a chance to, to take those back. Mm -hmm. And climbing a tree stand during deer season, we all have that attitude, just like you said, of, well, nothing's ever going to happen to me. I'm invincible. I can take on the world. But things do happen. 
yeah. You don't unload your gun and you get five steps up the stand and the sling on your gun breaks or you slip and you fall and you've got that gun on you. So to take a minute, two minutes, five minutes, heck, if you knew something was going to happen, something bad was going to happen, to take three hours to eliminate the potential of that thing going wrong, you would do it. Mm-hmm. if you knew that something bad was going to happen if you didn't do it. So yeah. just taking that time, and I hate to say it this way because we don't want to go around living scared, but with every action that you are about to take, if you stop and think, what's the worst thing that can happen if I don't do X? What's the worst thing that's going to happen if I step over this fallen tree in the woods. What's the worst thing that can happen if I step over it? You know, is there a rattlesnake on the other side? Is there a cottonmouth on the other side of it? Is there a hole on the other side of it that I'm about to step into and break a leg? Things like that. We just need to be really cognizant of it and pay attention to that. When I think, especially in the spring woods, there's a lot of dangers out there that we don't necessarily think about. Josh, you're from Louisiana. I'm from Alabama. We have a lot of poisonous snakes in our areas. Too many. If somebody up north wants to take them all from Louisiana, please be my guest. <laughs> but, you know, I rarely think about snakes when I'm in the turkey woods. Mm-hmm. But I wish I knew how many rattlesnakes, cottonmouths, copperheads that I have been within 10 feet of and didn't see. It's probably a countless number. But things like that, I'll give you a real quick great story about a snake. A buddy of mine named Todd, he's, I'm going to be gentle when I say this in my description of Todd. He's an idiot. And I say that in a loving way. But when we were younger, he had this fascination with snakes. And he would, any snake that he saw, he'd stop and examine it and mess with it. And he's at my camp hunting with me. We're getting ready to leave one afternoon to come back home. And I went into the well house to turn the power supply off for the pump. So we have a well down there. And there's two chicken snakes in the pump house. And so I mentioned something to him about there being two snakes in there. Well, he takes off and starts messing with one of the snakes. He wants to bring one of them home. (laughs) I'll be dang if he didn't mess with that snake, mess with that snake, mess with the snake until it bit him. Of course, he's freaking out. You know, he's like, well, I know it's not poisonous, but what kind of germs does it have? What do you think I need to go to the doctor? Da, 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 da. And things, again, we take for granted. But in his situation, that's just being stupid. I mean, that's really what it boils down to and not thinking about what is the worst thing that can happen if I keep messing with this snake. The worst thing that can happen is it can bite you. Yeah, it's not poisonous, but still not any fun. So that's something I think we all need to be very cognizant of or those just the those dangers in the outdoors. And now the second thing that I want you to talk about a little bit is gun safety. And can you give us a few quick reminders of those gun safety rules that we should always follow, but sometimes we need a reminder of? The key thing is identify your target, but before that, you need to make sure your gun's not loaded when it doesn't need to be. And load your gun when you're in the hiding position. When you get out of your stand, or before you get out of your stand, unload your gun, because that's the biggest safety factor of all. 
Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people go in the woods with a loaded gun, or they're riding a truck with a loaded gun. And if you go down, go down a bumpy road, that gun is it's liable to go off. If you, you hit snags on something, it can go off. I've heard so many stories about people shooting themselves because they didn't know their gun was loaded or their gun was loaded, and they pulled it towards them, getting it out of a truck or getting it out of a of an ATV or things like that. Just make sure your gun's not loaded until it's time, until it's time for it to actually be shot. Yeah, I mean the uh, thing with the other thing with Gandhi, it's man-made. It's 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 liable to fail, and sooner or later it's gonna fail. Just like if it misfires or it says it doesn't work, it, it's going to fail. So you just don't put all your trust and don't rely on your firearm. Yeah, um, add on to that and say, be careful where you're pointing your gun when you're getting that gun in and out of the truck or in and out of the UTV or in in and out of the gun case on the four-wheeler. Be aware of where you're pointing it. You know, when you're carrying it inside after a long morning of hunting, make sure it's unloaded before you get it in the house. It should have been unloaded the whole time, but it doesn't hurt to double check it or triple check it. And the guns are a big deal. Keep them unloaded and unload them if you're moving on a turkey. How, yeah, you may run that turkey off, but I'd rather run the turkey off than I would have an accident. Yeah. So, you know, that's the worst thing that can happen is you have an accident probably a hundred down that list of worst things that could happen would be running off a turkey. Yeah. So, and then let's talk a little bit about being safe in the spring woods while we're chasing the turkeys. Basically, some of those safety rules about turkey hunting. Can you run through some of those with us for a quick reminder? And I have a lot of people that listen to this show that are new to turkey hunting and they have deer hunted or squirrel hunted, dove hunted, other types of hunting, but there are a lot of them who are new to turkey hunting that I think can really benefit from getting some turkey hunting safety tips. So can you run through a few of those things that we need to consider when we're specifically hunting turkeys? Oh, for one, if you're down and out to get poison snakes, watch your steps because those little jokers are everywhere and you do not want to get snake bit and have to end up going to the hospital or maybe not making it out of the woods. It only takes a couple of minutes for venom uh, takes over your body and it takes takes a hold of you. So take precaution and or get snake boots, get chaps and things like that and watch your step. After that, watch where you're going. I mean, there's so many people out there trying to chase a bird because that bird gives up his location, and everybody wants to go to that location. So make sure you don't sneak up on another hunter or a hunter doesn't sneak up on you. And if you do, make sure you guys aren't hunting the same bird or shooting towards each other. And uh, once you, if you are sitting up on a bird, your decoy setup is, is one of the main things where a lot of people get hurt because so many yeah. people don't identify their targets and they shoot decoys but there's so many decoys out there that look realistic and people walk up on them and shoot decoys and the end result they'll shoot the hunter sometimes yeah definitely know where you're at and know uh, your surroundings and take that extra step to be safe whether it's setting up decoys or walking through the woods yeah you know you brought up something that that i think is worth mentioning and that is the decoys and there are a lot of these and, and i noticed several of them at the nwtf there are a lot of these motion decoy stakes out there to make your decoys more realistic, more lifelike, more turkey-like. And I think that, again, if it's good enough to fool a turkey, it's way past good enough to fool another hunter. Yeah. Because I think turkeys are way smarter than we hunters are. So, you know, that's, that's something that we really need to keep in mind. And another thing that I'm seeing a lot of right now and saw a lot of at the convention I'd love to get your thoughts on that, Josh, are these 
scoot-and-shoot type gobbler mm-hmm. decoys to where we use a gobbler decoy to shield us and enable us to, to physically move closer to a turkey. And to me, it seems like something that's really dangerous to do, but I'd love to get your input and your thoughts on that. Now, I am too excited about that because, I mean, it is one of the most dangerous things you could ever do in turkey hunting. But then again, I am going to be doing it this spring. But mm-hmm. on the plus side, I'm going to have a turkey decoy, and if somebody doesn't see a wheelchair behind a turkey decoy, I don't think they should be in the woods. <laughs> but um, Well, you say that, but stranger things have happened, buddy. Yeah, I understand that. But uh, it's definitely one of the things that is definitely a huge danger factor, and I would never, ever suggest anyone do it on public land. I mean, doing it on private land, it's still dangerous because there's so many people out there, you're hunting with your buddy, and you guys may be on the same bird, or you guys may have a trespasser, and they're liable to shoot because that decoy looks so real, and you're going to be right behind that decoy. So whatever that decoy catches, you're probably going to get a percentage of it. But uh, turkey True. turkey reaping, turkey scooting, or whatever uh, people want to call it, is definitely one of the highest factors of danger in turkey hunting. Man, it, it's become so popular because it looks cool and everybody wants to do it, but they don't understand the risk factor behind it. But I mean, I, yeah. I, like I said, I, I am double-sided about that because, I mean, I, I am going to do it. I mean, it, it, like I said, it looks cool and it's uh, it's very effective, but then again, it's very dangerous. I hope that you are taking extra care when you do that this year. And uh, when we get off this call, I'm going to try to talk you out of it. Okay. (laughs) I may not be able to do it. But, I mean, but I, I have to say, I have a big action track tank chair. If they don't see that behind a turkey decoy, then I got to say, they do not need to be in the woods. I know quite a few people who don't need to be in the woods who are, Josh. <laughs> well, you keep that, you, you send me that list of people, so I'll watch out for those guys when I'm in the woods, especially at hunting camp. I'm going to go down my list, I'm going to introduce myself, let them introduce uh-huh. themselves, and I'm going to check that list and make sure they're not on it. <laughs> All right, I'll do that. I will do that. And I'm not going to say I know them all, but I know a lot of them who shouldn't be in the woods. Yeah, I think that that style of hunting, that tactic, and that decoy really looks exciting and looks like something that would just be crazy to do because we don't typically think of being able to get feet away from a turkey and having a male turkey come at us and get one, two, five feet away from us and just be so mad he wants to fight. That's not something that a lot of us have have experienced. So, you know, this being a new style of hunting is a new experience. And I think a lot of people do want to, to take that on. And if it's something you're going to do, absolutely 100%, without a doubt, make sure you are on private land. And not only that, if I were to even consider it, I would make sure that I was in the center of about 50,000 acres of private land and that nobody in their mind had any right to even consider being that far onto somebody else's property that I might mistakenly get shot. But I'm with you on it because it's something that is very intriguing. It's something that seems to be terribly exciting when you watch it on these videos and, and see it and just the thought of it. But dang, man, it's just not safe. And what Josh said of doing that on public land, hang it up. Don't consider it. 
at all. It's not an option doing something like that on public land. And when I hunt public land, Josh, I typically don't even use decoys. I don't even carry mm-hmm. carry them in my vest because I don't want that Jake's head that I'm toting around for a decoy. I don't want his head popping out of the back of my vest and being mistaken for a turkey. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, are there other considerations that you would want to throw out as far as somebody hunting public land over private land because again in the south where we have a lot of hunters and not much public land there's a lot of competition out there in the in the turkey woods for those turkeys that we're hunting so there are special considerations that we need to take into account for hunting public land can you cover some of those with us best bet is go through the week when nobody's out there and they're at work <laughs> that's the best like bet for public land hunting <laughs> Now, there is no competition out there in public land hunting, whether it's hunting or deer hunting. But I think the dangerous, most dangerous thing for him, because once they gobble, he gobbles, he's giving off his location. And everybody's going to try to get to him. And you're going to have five hunters that are born. You, at the same time, are trying to get the same bird. And it's it's more likely that somebody's going to be right there in your back pocket or they're going to be, they're going to bust your bird out or something like that. But it's mostly a danger factor. It's really, really dangerous hunting public land. I mean, it's, it's free for us to hunt. Well, it's not really free, but it's cheaper for us to hunt than to get a lease and get private land. But it's definitely, uh, it comes with the, it comes with the price. It's one of those things that it's given to us, but the price that it's given to us that is, makes us think it's really worth going out there and, and spend our time out there chasing behind a turkey on public land because there's so many other guys that are out there doing it. And there's so many inexperienced guys out there doing it that don't know how to hunt or don't know what they're looking for. And that's where a lot of mistakes are made because they don't train themselves on being safe in outdoors or being safe in turkey woods. And they're new to turkey hunting first thing that they see they're going to shoot it whether it's going to be a hen or a jake or maybe they get lucky and fall in a tom but it's so dangerous because anybody can hunt public land and anybody is going to hunt public land if they get the chance yeah you mentioned something that if you're hunting public land regularly you're going to come across and that is having one bird gobbling and there being two or three hunters that are moving in on that bird and you may not know it until you get there or you may even be the first hunter there who's working that bird and so what would you recommend if you are the first one to that bird on public land and you see me slipping in 30 40 yards behind you putting the alabama low crawl on that gobbler that you're hunting what would you do in that situation I too like it. Um, I used to do an owl hoot or do a crow call and let that hunter know that I'm there. I mean, it's they definitely not. Um, if they heard your your hens, your uh, your hen call right there in that area, and then they hear an owl or a crow, they're gonna get to look and they're gonna wonder, okay, well, it's, it's ten o'clock in the morning. What's the owl doing hooting? I mean, at least that's my that's what I hope for, anyways. But then, yeah. then with that with that owl, you're not gonna scare the gobbler off because he's used to hearing that. He's he's most likely he's gonna gobble back at it. But that hunter should know that, okay, well, it's 9 o'clock in the daytime. Owls should be hooting. So hopefully it gives off your location and let that hunter know that, hey, you're right there. You're hunting that bird. Yeah. I would probably go one step farther myself. And you don't want to move. You don't want to wave your hands or do anything like that because, that's again, you're you're making movement. You're drawing attention to you being camouflaged in the woods. Mm-hmm. And if there's a turkey goblin on the other side of you and you're in between that hunter and that turkey you don't you don't want to be moving but i would probably go as far as to take a chance and whistle in a manner that somebody knows it's not a bird yeah um even and in that situation if that still doesn't work i'm going to call out to that person 
even if I have to scare that bird off, it's not worth the risk that you take in having that person come in on you. So I'm going to holler at him, give him a deer hunter whoop, you know, one of those rabbit hunting whoops Mm -hmm. that you throw out to let everybody know where you are when you're in the woods Mm -hmm. or even last case resort holler hey buddy i'm over here and again if i run that turkey off that's not the worst thing that can happen in that situation in my mind so i think you again we don't want to run the turkey off but that's number 100 on the list of things that could go wrong yes so that's probably what i would do more so even than an owl or a crow, but hey, Josh, I'm not as good as you. I can't make a crow call with my mouth, and I, I can do an owl with my mouth, and it sounds decent. One of these days, you and I will have an owl hooting contest, but not today. Uh, <laughs> I don't want you to embarrass me on the on the show. No, but, I can do that. <laughs> but I am probably just going to go a little bit further and give some sort of a loud whistle that does not sound like a twitty bird and something to make that person stop and look around mm-hmm. and then last case worst case but i'm not going to wait too long to do it is going to be me hollering i'm over here or something along those lines to let that person know to move on mm-hmm. plus if i holler at him i'm probably running that bird off anyway so he's going to go find somewhere else to go and hunt yeah but those public land turkeys are difficult and you really have to be totally aware of your surroundings at all times Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I would throw out there. But we're getting close to wrapping things up here. Are there any other safety tips or thoughts that you'd like to share with us today before I start asking you some questions on how we can find you? Just identify your target and take that extra step of being safe. I mean, there's so many factors to go wrong. I mean, I don't want to scare you guys from hunting turkeys, but take that extra step be safe and knowing where you're going to be before you face it. You guys, you want to come home safe and you want to live to hunt another day. And if you had to sacrifice giving that bird up or running them off because so you could get home safe, then hey, one life saves another. I mean, you can go down that bird another day. That's exactly right. That really sums it up. You know, if you have to run that bird off, you've run him off. He'll be there tomorrow when you get there, and the circumstances will be different. Maybe that other hunter won't be off tomorrow, the one that slipped in there on you. So what Josh said is 100% on spot. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, when I ran into you at the NWTF convention, I asked you where you were going to be turkey hunting this season. And after about five minutes of you telling me where you were going, not because the story was long, but just because the list of places you're going is long, I thought, man, this guy, he is as eat up with turkey hunting as I am. So I've got to say this. I said it at the convention. I've said it on my Facebook page, and I'm going to say it on the podcast. One of these days when I grow up, I want to be Josh Carney. (laughs) Tell me and everybody listening where you're going to be for turkey season this year. Luckily, I'm in Texas right now, honey, and once I finish up with this trip, I have an expo show in Oklahoma. I get back down to Texas at hog hunt, and I leave there, and I do a grand opening for Cabela's in South Carolina. But once I finish working, I mean, it's not really work, but it's work. Once I finish working, I start my turkey season in Louisiana on the 14th. 14th, 15th, I'll be hunting. It's a youth and handicap season, so I'll get to sneak in there before all the other hunters get in there. And once I finish that, I'll drive to Mississippi and drop my pup off so he can get trained in school. I'm going to leave there and head to Alabama. And I'm going to uh, I'm gonna film a girl hunt. She, she has an incredible story like mine, so I'm going to film her and get, get people to know her story and put it all in, into film. And once I leave there, hopefully we can double on a bird, or if we don't, I'm totally fine with just her killing a bird. I leave there, 
I'll head to uh, another show. I fly back, and I head to Nebraska, hunt Nebraska, the bow season. Uh, I leave Nebraska, head down to Kansas. If I tag out in Kansas early, I'll probably slip down to Oklahoma or Texas and I'll get my Rio. And um, mm-hmm. I'll leave there. I'll head to Tennessee, and I'll I'll get some kids with disabilities, and I'll film them and tell a story. And um, once I do that, I'll head to another show. I fly back. I head to Kentucky to chase up some Easterns. And from there, I'm, I got a call today. You think we're going to be headed down to Florida right after that to get those Osceolas because the weather has been so bad with this cold front that's been down there that we're going to push it back a little bit till April when they're really fired up and we can get out some real good. So uh, I'm going to tag out. I'm going to try and tag out on the Osceola. With, try to tag out on all four species with a, uh, with a gun and a bow to get my Grand Slam, two Grand Slams, one of each this season. And I'm going to hit Missouri. I'm going to hit head down to Arkansas. I'm gonna. I got a call earlier, earlier this week, that um, there's the kids in Pennsylvania that um, are doing an event. So I'm gonna go down there, film for them, and call for them. And that's my season. So I'll start here in the next week or so, and I'll get back in the middle of May. And then I have a lot of downtime from downtime from then to figure out what birds I want to chase next year. Heck yeah, I like the sound of that. Now you told me something interesting at the NWTF convention that you didn't mention just then. I'm older than you are. I'm about twice your age. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk specific numbers, <laughs> but in my days of growing up, this was a toy, not a hunting weapon. But you told me that you're going to try to kill some turkeys with a slingshot. Yes, sir. Yeah, they, the way they're revolutionized slingshots now, they shoot my axe arrow from a slingshot. I think that still qualify as archery hunting. So um, I'm going to try and shoot a couple birds, at least one. We get one from film with a slingshot, and we're going to try and do that in Nebraska because Miriam's are so easy to target and so easy to hunt. And we're going to try and shoot one with a slingshot. I think it'll be really cool and difficult hunt, but I think it'll be exciting and very rewarding hunt to get it done and be successful at it. Absolutely. It sounds like it'd be very challenging, without a doubt. Have you been practicing a good bit with the slingshot? I have. It, to be honest, it's like shooting a recurve. So it's all uh, it's mostly instinct instinct shooting. So uh, it's, it's not very hard to do. I mean, and if you get that bird at right at five, ten yards, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty easy. But I mean, still that kill zone on a bird is so small. Well, and you're, you'll be doing that in area that's a little bit more open so mm-hmm. if you do shoot one you, you have a lot better chance of getting them recovered so that'd be good but that's pretty interesting i'd love to see that on video if you're able to, to accomplish your goal we're going to try for it for sure that's awesome well tell us how we can get in touch with you and how we can find you if we have any questions for you or want to see some of your videos or send you some photos of us and our big monster turkeys from this spring well, my Facebook page is Son of the South, S-O-N-O-F-T-H-E-S-O-U-T-H. Other social media sites is uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's Son of the South TV. That's at Son of the South TV. I also am putting my videos up on huntervid.com, H-U-N-T-E-R-B-I-D-S.com. That's where all my hunting adventures are going to be. Um, just search Son of the South. I also have a website, sonofthesouthtv.com. It's the best way to get in contact with me. Uh, you guys want to talk or if you guys want to message me on uh, my Facebook page and I send some pictures in and talk turkey hunting. Awesome. Now, you film all of your videos yourself, don't you? Yes, sir. I do 90% of my videos for my, on my own, but it's very hard to do. I mean, I run four cameras in a blind, and actually, before turkey starts, I'm going to buying a new camera and some more video equipment just to get that upper hand on turkeys. But still, it's hard work trying to self-film and run so many cameras at one time. Yes, it is. Very hard work. That and have successful hunts to show on those cameras are yeah. 
really difficult. So I admire you for all of that and your efforts there as well. Man, I'm just surprised that a production company hasn't called you about producing a big-time hunting show with you on it as the host. I'm still new to the industry. I've only been the, the spotlight of attention for a year now. But I mean, I, I've had offers, but I just I want something that's gonna that's gonna sit right with me. Uh, I'm not in it for the fame or attention or anything like that. But what I want to do is I want to get stories out there. I want to tell other stories. I don't want the spotlight on me. I don't want the attention on me. I mean, there's so many stories that are out there that are being untold. And if I could just host that and share someone else's story about how they have success in the outdoors or how they overcome a difficult situation and the outdoors helping me, that's my goal and my mission. I mean, my story is being written and the, the ink haven't dried on it yet. So, I mean, while it's still wet, I'm going to keep writing it. Absolutely. There you go. Before I let you loose and let you get back to hunting, but speaking of stories, I spoke with somebody yesterday for a podcast interview that knows you. And he said to ask you who the best turkey hunter that you know is. Joshua Carney, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, that is a great answer, and I think you may have pulled yourself out of the fire from being put on. Yeah, because so that, that could have been a lot of people that wanted me to add that. One. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe Leon Steely won't feel so bad when you name yourself. I knew it was Leon, but I didn't want to throw it out there. <laughs> uh, that is so funny. So I'll be sure Leon finds out that that you know who the best turkey hunter is. And, I see you, uh, Leon. Leon, and uh, he actually was a. He got me on my first bird. The story behind that one is uh, opening morning, 2014 season. We were, we were out there hunting, and five minutes of the hunt, we were over with. And the actual gun that I killed my bird with was the gun that actually put me in a wheelchair. So it was a real cool story to it. It's it an amazing hunt. I mean, I think it was the first bird to hit the ground in 2000 of that season. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, for those of you who don't know who Leon is, Leon and Kenyon Bankston are with Southern Boys Outdoors. did an interview with him yesterday, and by the time you're listening to this episode, the Southern Boys Outdoors episode will be already live on the podcast channel, so you need to be sure to download that one as well. But one last thing, I know I keep saying one last thing, one last thing every, every mm-hmm. time I get close to cutting you loose. I ask this question of everybody that I have on the show. But give me real quick the story of your most recent successful turkey hunt and the one or two things during that hunt that you did or that happened that made that hunt successful. You know, my last successful turkey hunt was it was a turkey hunt without a harvest. I know it's not a lot of people wouldn't think that's success, but you know, it was a learning it was a learning experience for me. So I think there's no such thing as failure, but taking a lesson from your mistake is actually a learning period and you're actually winning. So that was my most successful turkey hunt because there was a bird uh, he came in early morning, he was behind a hen. He didn't want to come to the decoys or anything like that. And around ten o'clock he that hen he pushed that hen back to the decoys and he stayed out by forty yards and I was shooting uh, the same shotgun that I was injured with and I, it was a Remington eleven hundred. Now with that you can't put a choke inside of it so it was a modified choke and 40 yard shot with a modified choke i just it didn't do anything i didn't harm or anything so i think my lesson learned was if the shot's not presentable don't take it yeah and next next lesson learned was get a gun with a full choke so Good i've fun. actually ordered a new gun with new turkey gun just for turkey season so i'm prepared and my success with turkey hunt is my last success with turkey hunt awesome have, have you thought of a name for your gun yet your turkey gun 
I have. You know, I, I name all of my guns and my bows and things like that, but I, I just have to get a feel for it first. I mean, normally all my guns, are they shoot sweet, so they have a, a girl's name. So, I know, I, uh, I'm getting the CVA Apex 12-gauge, so I just got to get a feel for it before I name her. There you go. I had to shoot several turkeys with mine before I named it. Yeah. And I have named mine Black Death after Black Death. after the Cape Buffalo in Africa mm-hmm. because it kicks like I would imagine a Cape Buffalo kicks, and it kills like I would imagine a Cape Buffalo kills. So yeah. Black Death is the name of mine, but I actually had a little contest on my Facebook fan page. I put a picture of Black Death up on my Facebook fan page and asked people to respond and tell me what they're, what they've named their turkey gun. And I got a lot of really unique and one-of-a-kind names for them. A lot of them, a lot of people did just like you do with yours and give them feminine names. And then I had a guy post a picture of his gun and say he hadn't named it yet. And so we did a little contest on my Facebook fan page and let people, let the people that the post showed up to, let them name his gun for him. And he chose a name and we went from there. But that was, that was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. So maybe... I don't know. Maybe if you go on Josh's Facebook fan page, maybe he'll have a contest to let us name his turkey gun for him. I, I think that'll be interesting. That'll definitely be uh, interesting. I actually just did that uh, a little while back. I just got a new bow, and uh, I didn't, I haven't received it yet. But it's a, uh, it's a red and black rattlesnake pattern. I wanted like the fans or but the people out there name it. So came up with all kind of great names for it. Cool. Do you remember what the winning name was? I haven't decided yet because, I mean, I still haven't gotten my bow in my possession yet. So once I get oh, that and okay. get a field for it, I mean, I'll pick a name for it then and just go from there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Josh, buddy, I appreciate you taking time to talk to us today, share your story with us. And I hope that everyone that's listening to this podcast who does not know who Josh Carney, Son of the South, is, goes to your Facebook fan page and goes to your website and starts to follow you. I think you're a breath of fresh air in the outdoor industry, and you are truly unique and a -a one-of-a-kind person, and I'm glad to say that I've met you, and I wish you a ton of luck this turkey season. And after you lay a few turkeys down, send me some pictures of them. I'll throw them up on my Facebook fan page, and we'll let everybody share in your victories as well. Yes, sir. I appreciate it a lot. Heck, yeah. Well, thanks a bunch again. Stay in touch with me. I'll stay in touch with you, and we'll hopefully be sending some pictures of dead turkeys back and forth to each other this spring. And I want to see you wear out some predators and wear out some hogs in Texas, too. So good luck with all that. I hope the weather improves for you, and y'all stay safe and stay warm, and we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed having Josh on the show and getting to know him a little bit better. Josh is truly just a nice guy and very upbeat, very positive, a lot of fun to be around. So for those of you who are not familiar with Josh, jump onto Facebook and follow Josh there, like his page. Also, you can check Josh out on YouTube and go to his website, keep up with him there. He's working real hard to break into the industry and... I know he's going to make it, and I think it's just a matter of time before it happens. All right, next week we have episode 28, and that is using turkey decoys with Jimmy Primos. So be sure to tune in next week for that episode with Jimmy. It's a very informative episode. Most of you guys know that I don't use decoys a whole lot, so I learned a lot from the interview with Jimmy, and 
I'm looking forward to trying decoys out a little bit more in the future. Please don't forget to go onto iTunes and leave me a five-star rating and a review. And also subscribe to the show. Subscribing does not cost a dime. It's free and you'll be sure to know when the most recent episode is posted. Coming up next, we have Ask the Turkey Hunter. And if you have a question you would like to ask about turkey hunting, turkey calling, anything related to the sport of turkeys, you can email me at askandy at imturkeyhunting.com. So this week's question was asked by Richard Ross. Richard wants to know how to handle a flopping but not yet dead turkey. Richard, that's a very good question, and I think it's a very good question because we focus so much on how to kill a turkey that we don't focus a whole lot on what to do after we squeeze the trigger. So, usually what I do after I shoot is I kind of let the turkey tell me what to do next. If the turkey is down on the ground and it was a good shot and there is no sign of life and the turkey's flopping, I'm going to let him flop. That turkey's not going anywhere. I'm not going to take my eyes off of the turkey because I don't want the turkey to get up and run off. You hear stories about that happening. If I don't think the turkey is a threat to run off, then I'm just going to stand there until the turkey's expired completely. If I shoot and the turkey is immobilized but not dead, then most of the time I'm going to take several steps back and I'm going to shoot again. Now, I know a lot of people who are not going to do that, and I'm going to tell you why I do it that way. When I completed my first Grand Slam, the last bird I needed to complete my slam was an Osceola turkey, and I hunted with a friend of mine who did a lot of guiding for people who shot a turkey and wanted to get that turkey mounted. Well, I wanted to get my Osceola mounted. When I shot him, the turkey was immobilized, but he was not mortally wounded. So my friend says, grab the turkey by the neck and hold him up so that when he flops, he does not flop the feathers out. So I reached down and I grabbed this turkey by the neck. And when I did, the turkey lifts his back legs up, sticks his spur in my index finger on my right hand, at which time I drop him except for the fact that he's hanging by his spur in my finger and he proceeds to beat me with his wings and kick me with his legs. And he ripped my finger open where he spurred me with his kicking. I ended up having to go to the emergency room to get my finger stitched up. It was an interesting twist to a very exciting hunt in that fortunately for me, it was not extremely painful. Fortunately, there's no permanent damage. Fortunately, it makes for a great story. And fortunately, it's a constant reminder that we don't want to grab a turkey that is not dead. So, I won't stand on one's neck or head unless I just feel like I absolutely have to. I'm going to step back several steps, and I'm going to shoot the turkey again in the head, in the neck area. Try not to get any pellets in the breast if you're going to eat the turkey. If you're going to mount the turkey, that's probably not what you want to do. Your taxidermist is not going to be very happy with you having shot a turkey twice. But if that's the case, if you're going to mount that turkey, then you can take your foot and step on that turkey's neck just below his head and put your entire body weight on that turkey. Be very careful when that turkey's flopping that 
he doesn't get you with the spurs. A spur will go through your boots in a heartbeat, and it's not very fun getting spurred. Be careful with those turkeys that are not quite dead yet and are still flopping around. If you don't think he's a threat to get up and run, let him flop, especially if you're not going to get him mounted. If you are going to get him mounted, then stand on that turkey's neck just below his head, and if he flops feathers out, he flops feathers out. The taxidermist can do some amazing things to fix those birds. If he is not mortally wounded and you're not going to get him mounted, you're just going to eat him, take several steps back and shoot him in the head again. Shotgun shells are cheap, a lot cheaper than a deductible, and a lot cheaper than six hours in sitting in the waiting room for the emergency room. So, Richard, I hope you get the chance to stuff one in your vest here very soon. And when you do, don't forget to take a selfie of him and send it on to me. P-I-X at IamTurkeyHunting.com. Send those pictures in to me and let me know where you killed your bird, the measurements on your bird, and I will post it on Facebook for everyone to see. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.